1: Thanks for joining us on the That's Rather Cavalier podcast. Before we get to it, make sure you follow us wherever you get your audio podcasts. Just search FFSN, That's Rather Cavalier. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Also, check out our Cavs shorts on the Nordahls YouTube channel. Now let's get to it. Thank you for joining us for another edition of That's Rather, That's Rather Cavalier Podcast. I'm your host, Tate. We got the co-host the Homie BP, and we got a guest with us today, Relly Hall. Relly, what's happening, man? Good, how are y'all, man? We're doing good, man. Thanks for joining us. I actually wanted to say, too, be sure to check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, or or, or wherever else you listen to your audio podcast. Podcasts. Today's show, man. We're gonna talk about Big G's not with us. Rally was coming anyway, but so it works out. Just, just the three of us, myself, VP, and Rally. What we want to talk about today, we're gonna get right into it with a couple things. Um, the NBA Finals just ended on Monday. The Denver Nuggets are the new NBA champions, and I wanted to just ask, like, what, what are our instant reactions from that? I mean. Do we think Denver is the team to beat going into next year? Is Jokic a top five big man of all time right now? Denver has a young core. I mean, how far do we think they can go? So, whatever point, whenever one of those things you guys want to take, go ahead and take. And I really, since you since you the guess, I go to you first, man.
0: Yeah, I think when we look at Denver, man, you got to realize I think they got a second gear. You see Denver, they got a lot of young guys, they got a lot of depth. And honestly, I think they got another year. I think next season, we're going to see an improvement in Michael Porter Jr. And I think they are the team to beat in the NBA. And then on top of that, I think we have kind of seen that Jokic should be considered as top five center now. I know there's a lot of centers we might have to look at. But when you look at a center who might have changed the game, Jokic is one of those players.
1: Okay, BP, what are your thoughts, man?
2: Yeah, I thought that Denver, you know, everybody was, when you look at the beginning of the playoffs, even this season in April, people rated the Nuggets as like the fifth best team in the West. They had the LA Clippers in front of them. They had the Phoenix Suns in front of them. They had Memphis in front of them. People had the Lakers in front of them. So they've always been underrated. And so I think they finally, that's why I think Jamal Murray was crying at the end of the finals. He's never been an all-star. This guy has always been, you know, put down and put on the back burner, underrated. Jokic has always been, in, in the, during the NBA all-star game, Jokic, Jokic was the last pick among all the players for the NBA all-star game this past February. So he's always been underrated. You know, he was a second round pick. So I agree with Relly. I think the Nuggets will be the favorites, but I think also Milwaukee's going to come at them You know, the Celtics will be back. I think if the L.A. Clippers are healthy, they'll be formidable. I think it'll be interesting to see what Phoenix does to fortify their team. So there's still going to be a lot of, uh, you know, competition. It's not just going to be a layup like back in the day when the Lakers would repeat or when the San Antonio Spurs would repeat or the Bulls would repeat. I think there's going to be a ton of competition. And I think people are always going to sort of, you know, question the Nuggets. They also, even now they're saying they had an easy road to the championship where they played playing teams they played you know Minnesota was a playing team the Lakers were a playing team and now the Miami Heat were a playing team so I respect what the Nuggets did but there's a lot of people out there that don't quite respect what they did in winning this championship
1: okay well I agree with both a lot of what both of both of you had to say I would say uh, I, I mean the Nuggets were good and they were they, they were the best team in the west this year I think Giannis injury and had a lot to do with Milwaukee not doing what they were supposed to do. I think Boston, some of the coaching, the the the, the newness of, of 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 the coaching uh, in Boston. They hired Santa as an assistant, and I think he's just coaching, waiting for Boston. I think he can bring a lot to them. He was an assistant on the staff that last won. No, he played the last won the championship in 2008 with Kevin Garnett and them. So I think San Cassell will help Boston in the West. I think, I think it's gonna be wide open again. Whatever Phoenix does, I think the Lakers will be back.'ll they'll, they'll, they'll make some moves around the periphery, but I think they'll be back. Um, it's just 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 the, the, the West is gonna be tough again. Uh, Denver, I like Denver. I don't think they I don't think they're they're, they're like a uh, dynasty waiting to happen. I feel like they don't have the defensive chops. Most, most, most teams that win for a, you know, a few years in a row, your Golden States, your San Antonios, your Bulls, they have defensive chops. And that's not, that's not Denver. I mean, Aaron Gordon can play defense, but I feel like Joker, Michael Porter Jr. are just below average defensive players. Porter did give a lot of effort in the final. And Murray is just an average defensive player. So I mean Caldwell Pope is good if they bring him back. I mean, so I, I like they two of their five starters are are defenders, and three of them are not. Um so that, that that's my take on Denver. Joker is a top five all-time center. This is real similar to Moses Malone in the early 80s. He was all world center. Uh was he, he was more known for his rebounding and scoring. He won two MVPs in like a four-year period and won a championship with Philadelphia. And I was young. Me and I probably was 10, 11 years old. I don't remember us saying Moses was an all-time great, but he's a Hall of Famer now. But so I think I think in, in order for Joker to be an all-time great, because he doesn't play defense at all. So let, let's let's think about that. In order for him to be an all-time great, he has to put together another two or three years like this, and I think he, he moves up. If he gets another finals championship, an MVP if he gets another MVP then we we he jumps into the discussion but right now he's probably a top 10 center in my book right now okay but yeah so moving along to make it pertinent and applicable to what we're doing here about the Cavs BP what can the Cavs learn from the Nuggets finals run in their team what can the Cavs take away from that
2: no that's a great question because uh You know, the Nuggets, they're like the poster child for continuity. You know, they, Michael Malone's been their coach for eight years now. Well, that's almost, that's crazy in the NBA where guys get fired after two or three seasons. And there were seasons where the Nuggets didn't make the playoffs. They got bounced in the first round. I think last season they got bounced in the first round. So the Nuggets, you know, could have taken a page out of the book from this year's NBA playoffs where a lot of good coaches like Monty Williams and, uh, You know, Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers were fired after one, you know, playoff uh, outing, ouster. So, you know, you got to give the Nuggets credit for continuity, keeping it together. They stood by Jamal Murray. They didn't have to, you know, even though, you know, he missed two years with that knee surgery and being out. So, you know, you got to give. So the Cavs, again, they're they're also trying to, I think, keep continuity. They didn't get rid of J.B. Bickerstaff after they lost in the playoffs. You know, so far they haven't made any rash trades of their core four guys. You know, there's rumors that they're looking at stuff, which is fine, but they didn't panic and, you know, start thinking about trading Jared Allen and Darius Garland. Well, you know, again, you always want the team to try to improve with trades, free agency, draft, but we'll see what happens with the Cavs. But I think that's what they can learn from the Nuggets, that sometimes it's good to just stand pat with your good players and then, you know, keep continuity, and then you, you try to fortify the team around the edges for the next season.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, I I just think the trade the trade season and trade talk hasn't begun yet. It has now because the finals is over with. <laughs> the Cavs lost way back in was it April even yeah. or was it uh, April. early May? April. But April they again. they lost in the first round. They lost quick. Gentlemen sweep. So yeah, now's the time you delve into talking about that kind of stuff. But really, what do you think, man?
0: I think BP hit it right on the head. I think uh, the Cavs, they have to have learned that this is about buying in, right? The whole Cavs team, general manager, the coaches, they got to buy in. This is the right time. Like, yes, you're going to make your your trades here and there, getting the right pieces like Denver did, because you got to realize, yes, they was together for a while, but they also made the right trades. Like, they got Aaron Gordon at the right time, let him kind of get uh, – let, got him to learn the system a little bit. They got KCP at the right time. They got pieces like Thomas bryan in the offs and uh, not in the but before the trade deadline, like they got the right pieces for the team that bought in at the right time. Now, Cleveland being a young team is kind of hard when you got a lot of young guns, probably wanting to be the face of the team. But if Cleveland can realize that each player has a role in this team and each part is vital, I think they can make a deep run. And especially after how they kind of ended the season, this past one, so if Cleveland can buy in, I'd be what they should learn from the Denver Nuggets.
1: Okay, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of great stuff from both of you. I don't think Cleveland has a problem with with one individual wanting to be the face of the team. I think that's the problem. They don't have any dogs, any any alphas that want to go out there and do it. I think that's part of the problem. Donovan Mitchell was that guy. But he got, he got one foot in New York already, you know. <laughs> he stretched out all, all from northeast Ohio across Pennsylvania up into New York already. So, you know, um, I think what the Cavs can learn, I'm going to say from this series, if Evan Mobley can take a leap next year, which we anticipate another leap. I mean, I don't think he got to show as much as, as he – potentially could have if the trade wasn't for Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell comes in the room and takes up a lot of oxygen, right? In a good way, takes up a lot of oxygen. So Evan Mobley didn't have probably the role he would have had if Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. If they had kept Laurie Markman, who he was used to playing with, Colin Sexton would have been the sixth man, and Obagi would have been coming off the bench as a rookie. So that would have made space for Evan Mobley to be more prominent on the offensive end as kind of like a secondary go-to guy with, with Darius Garland. Um, what I think they can learn, uh, some of the offense, the the, the the high post game with Joker's passing ability and stuff like that. Mobley's a good passer for a big man. Not, not on Joker's level, but he's a good passer for a big man. So I take that from Denver Nuggets. You go to the Miami side. I like the way eric spolster eric Spolstra allows bam to bring up the ball i think that alleviates some of the pressure off your off your guards allows them to get get some type of rest during the course of the game and evan mobley is a capable capable handler capable capable handler to bring up the ball against other bigs you know if you press him with a guard or something like that yeah you got to give it up but if, it, if it's just another big holding and waiting back at at the top of the key for him to come down, then by all means, let Evan Mobley get a rebound and go and kind of reinforce that more and more. So that's what I take from the finals is to look at both big men in the finals and things you can take from them for Evan Mobley that will help the Cavs. And obviously, we've been saying all offseason long, the Cavs need to pick up the pace (laughs) as far as their offense. You know, push the ball, whether it's Mobley getting a rebound and going, Garland and Mitchell, Get into the offense with with 18 seconds. And not wait to get down to 12 seconds. Let's get let's get more points, more shots up, shots up, and score off your defense. Push push the ball when you force a the defensive turnover. Don't just be happy with getting a stop or getting a steal and then slowing it up. Push the ball. The more points, the faster pace, the better for the Cavs. Anything else from you guys before we transition?
2: No, one thing I wanted to mention, though, is you see what the Denver's general manager did a great job in, you know, fortifying the team. If you look at Calvin
1: Booth, Calvin Booth.
2: Yeah, but there was also a guy named Tim Conley who preceded him, who drafted Jokic. He drafted Jamal Murray. He drafted. I think he traded for Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon, he was acquired back in 2021. Now, Calvin Booth drafted. You know, he did that KCP trade this past offseason, which was excellent. They swindled the Washington Wizards out of KCP. <laughs> he also drafted the kid uh, Christian Braun, Brown that did a nice job. So, but, you know, you got to give credit to, you know, the general manager of Denver. They did a fantastic job, the front office, and I think Kobe Altman needs to take notes because we need that kind of offseason here in Cleveland from Kobe Altman and his staff.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree again. I mean, I like Kobe Altman as a GM and this season is a season where I'm not saying they need to they need to come back and, and and win it all next year but they need to be better than they were this year. You know, we need to see at least a competitive first round series, maybe a first round win. That's what I'm looking for from the Cavs and Kobe Altman going into next year. Speaking of next year and the Cavs and the draft and GMs, let's talk about what the Cavs can do this offseason to get better. Um, the draft is one week from tonight. The Cavs only have one pick, pick number 49, a mid-second round pick, mid late to mid-second round pick. Um, free agency begins beginning of July, and the Cavs have a $12 million mid-level exception. Uh, that they can sign a free agent, bring somebody in. But what do you guys think the Cavs need to do to get better? Really? what do you think, man?
0: I think right now this this offseason is going to be pivotal. Uh, now, with the draft pick, I actually think they should use that to get more capital, um, try to get somebody else, because I think they can make a somewhat decent uh, a flash in the offseason, the free agency. They're going to have to. They're going to have to make a splash. I think right now, crucially, they're going to have to get some shooters, um, whether that be like a Seth Curry, maybe a Joe Harris, um, somebody that they, that they can snipe that doesn't disrupt the offense, but at the same time benefits us, right? And I don't really think right now somebody in the late first round or second round really does that. I mean, you can find your gems, but I think Cleveland right now, we have to be very careful on how we uh, do this off season. And I do think this off season, we have to be a little aggressive.
1: Well, Steph, Seth Curry is definitely, definitely a shooter in the Cavs. Cavs need need shooting, need three point shooting. Uh, But do you need it from that position? I feel like, I feel like it has to be, has to be a, a three and D guy, a small forward that can shoot the three or a stretch four For roster construction i think that's probably the best fit now joe harris might be good but joe harrison the defender
0: yeah i think when you get in that situation you got to understand your trade-offs right because yeah i i respect that three and d because i was thinking maybe a robert covington right but you also got to understand cleveland is like kind of in the middle in terms of the ways they can go right if they get a shooter let's say just a little bit more on the even side, you're probably going to run a little smaller. You're probably going to be a little quicker. That's also going to disrupt that situation where if you put Isaac a curl there, your offense is not stagnant. Right. But at the same time, if you do get a defender that's more on that end, who's probably a little bit streakier, let's say like a Dorian Finney Smith, then you're in a situation where you can't pit ice on the floor as often with those type of players. So I think you kind of, you're, you're in a situation where I'm not going to say you're gambling, but you are. In a way, because either either way, it's going to adjust your roster. And like you said earlier with Evan Mobley, we're also in a situation where we're trying to create space for him to work. Because honestly, I think it's a lot of reasons why uh, he, he took his game to another level, but it wasn't the level Evan Mobley probably could have took it this season. But... I do think probably going a little smaller or having that option probably on your bench or second unit, I think that's, that's going to go a long way for us.
1: Okay. Okay. BP, I know you, I know you are a guy that pays attention to the drafts and stuff like that. Is there anything, any player that's going to fall in that 40 to 50 range that you're looking at for the cast to potentially try and draft on draft night? Yeah.
2: I mean, well, going back to your original question, I mean, we were talking about you know free agents or guys the calves i to me the biggest glaring problem with the calves is the starting small forward you cannot continue to start um isaac okoro you just he, his he can't shoot so in my opinion being realistic with the with the salaries and the free agency status i think to me the best guy to bring in would be kelly Oubre jr you know the guy. You keep,
1: you keep you keep saying him in past shows. He's he, he's he's not a, he's not a great three point shooter.
2: <laughs> he's a pretty good shooter. He shoots he's shot in the past thirty six percent. You don't you know and with this team he'll probably get better looks than he's had with other teams because you got to – he's played. I don't even know. I don't think he's ever played in the play- playoffs. So. You know he'll be getting really good quality looks and he's affordable like Joe Harris makes 19 million a year so that it'd be pretty hard to get Joe Harris and fit him under the salary cap you'd have to make a pretty big trade plus I don't I think he's all he's hurt a lot so you, know, you got to be realistic and Seth Curry is short and you know, we don't need another short guard on this team six foot tall six foot one guard so, you know, another guy that could be a shooter they could pick up is uh, Doug McDermott is a good shooter. Kelly, you know, Kelly, he's Kelly, tall. He's Kelly, probably expendable from the San Antonio first.
1: Kelly Kelly Oubre's three points percentage career is 33%. Um, I bet Okoro shooting around that right now, right. 30, 32. I, I don't just go by that. Okay, Uh, uh, all you can go by are the numbers. But I like McDermott too, but like Joe Harris, McDermott's not a defender. But maybe Evan Mobley and Jared Allen make up for that. But then you got three –
2: Well, you still have Isaac Okoro. You have have Okoro on the team. So Okoro would come off the bench and, you know, play defense, even though, in my opinion, he's overrated on defense. If you look at the Knicks series, if Isaac Okoro was so great on defense, then what did he do against – you know, Jalen Brunson. What did he do against R.J. Barrett? You know, I, I wasn't that impressed. So that's my yeah, opinion. That, that, but.
1: That, that was one series. Like for all the Cavs, I, I'd argue. Yeah, I'd argue that that J.B. made the mistake. I I seen Chetty on Brunson for a lot a lot of times getting cooked. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Okoro at least made it difficult. Brunson was too big for Darius Garland. He was cooking. Chetty Osmond and even though he had a heck of a series, Brunson did Okoro at least made it difficult and if you're if you're a great player you're going to score on great defensive players
2: yeah I in my opinion Isaac Okoro I in fact I wouldn't even mind if he was part of a trade package this summer I just feel he's overrated he was the fifth pick in the draft you know to me, he's like very similar. He's not even as good as PJ Tucker. Where at least PJ Tucker, you know, leans on you. He, to me, he he guarded Kevin Durant in the playoffs a couple years ago.
1: But so we'll P- see. PJ P- P- Tucker in Isaac's defense. I like Isaac Okoro. In in, in in Isaac Okoro's defense, when PJ Tucker was Isaac Okoro's age, PJ Tucker was playing in Europe. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, he also, P.J. Tucker, wasn't the fifth pick in the draft, which is a very high pick. You expect really good things from the fifth pick in the draft.
1: Okay. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I mean, but he, he has to develop, though. I mean, yeah. I think they can bring him back and not pay him a big contract, and he can he can be a seventh seventh or eighth man for now until he's ready. I mean, I feel like Jimmy Butler started out where Isaac Okoro was at. You know, quite – Kawhi Leonard was solely a defender in in Mm -hmm. his early first three, four years playing with Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. So, you know, I'll give Okoro a little leeway, not a pass, a little leeway. I think he still has some development to do. And a lot of that could be attributed to the, the Cavs, the Cavs staff and their development program.
2: Yeah. And going back to your question about the college, I mean, I do see some prospects, you know, that could help the Cavs. But the thing is, you know, the Cavs are, you know, on the hot seat. They just can't draft a guy at pick 49 and expect him to, you know, be a savior. You know, so I think they could find a good player at pick 49. You know, a guy like like Jamie Hasquez from UCLA, or or they can maybe move up into the first round, get like Jet Howard from Michigan. I really like him. You know, he's a shooter. You know, he's got some height. He could be a three and D guy. Bryce Sensibaugh from Ohio State. But, you know, those guys are going to go in the first round. To find somebody to pick 49 will be difficult. But I think, you know, that um, Amani Bates is a good prospect from – I think he's at Eastern Michigan. You know, he's worth taking a look at. Those are the type of guys I think the Cavs will be looking at, you know, for the upcoming draft.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, the Cavs have two – two – what do they call the spots at the end of the roster – um, yeah, that, that where you send the guys to the G League and you can bring them back yeah. and forth two, two-way two way
0: players yeah, yeah. Two, yeah, the
1: Cavs yeah, have yeah. have two two-way contracts that'll be open I don't think they'll get anybody that'll help immediately as far as the draft but I think you probably draft the best talent that you can and then develop them and stash them away. not stash them away but have them be, being at the end of the bench for a year or two till they learn um, it won't be this year I believe next year they'll be bringing a Diop as a backup center over, not this year, 2024. And Luke Travers. We'll see. He's just another Chetty Osmond. But that won't help them this year. But that that'll be that'll be end of the bench, players 10, 11, 12, kind of, you know, filling that, filling that, that those roster spots with with an injection of a little more talent than they have now. You got anything else to say about any of this, Rally?
0: Yeah, I just think like <laughs> Like I hear both of y'all and you know, I'm kinda in the middle, but I, I think it's a lot of other stuff we, we gotta move. Like I honestly don't think we we draft this this uh this draft. I think we trade it. I, I really don't think
1: Well what well, what do you trade pick 49 for?
0: I don't know. I think you add that and package it with the player. Like okay, you like, 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 like even if like even if you hypothetically you're gonna tra- uh, package it with Isaac Kerr or maybe a Jetty Osman, one of those two players because we, we got to get something in return. Like, I don't like, even though I probably wouldn't trade ice, I think he's a lot more impactful than we really give him credit for. I, I think the only you. reason, the only, the only reason someone would ever really kind of be critical of his defense in that New York Knicks series was because he really played himself out the game with him missing threes. And it just, it limited what he was able to do on the defensive end. Cause they had to take him out so early. Um But honestly, I think you trade Jedi Osmond. I think we've had him. For a while, he was supposed to be this certain type of player. He's supposed to really be a catch and shoot sniper. He hasn't really been that, not consistently. Uh, I think you move on from uh, that pick and Jetty Osmond and turn it into something, but I-, I don't really think you draft. I don't think Cleveland is really in the position to stash another pick just on the hopes of that player to maybe be a Dylan Winler, you know? Because, you know, we got a lot of players that's not necessarily developing. And I don't know if it's our developing staff or what it is, but I think right now the Cavs have to make a move or we're going to start getting some disgruntled players.
1: Okay. Okay. No, I don't I don't disagree with your takes there. But, hey, real quick, fellas, we gonna, we, we going to pay some bills. We're going to get – we'll be right back after these ads. Give us – Give us just a couple of minutes, we'll be right back. And we're back on the That's the Cat. And we're back on the That's Rather Cavalier podcast. Uh I'm your host, Tate, with our co-host BP and our special guest, Relly Hall. Um, so let's get back into some of the stuff we were talking about we talked about what the Cavs could potentially do to be better and Relly I was watching some of your work man on your channel the Relly Hall channel I was checking out man you you think the Cavs a uh, good fit would be OG and Anobi. Yeah, I think that would be a good fit too I don't know how that happens I want you to <laughs> tell me you're thinking of putting up that potential with trade and getting OGN and, and Anobi
0: so with a player like that, you are gonna have to be really critical of the money, right? Cause I had to do <laughs>
1: had to do a little bit
0: of research with the math, right? But like you can move some players, like you can move an ice, you would probably have to add a Isaac curl, and you would probably have to do a Karis Avert to make it clean. And also something they would even consider. Probably some picks in there. Second round, maybe you know, you gotta work that out. But you can make it happen. You can move three players and get that player and it worked. Um, I do think OG Nobi, if we're talking about somebody who is a 3 and D guy, that's OG Nobi. We've seen him in Toronto. He has a lot of untrapped potential, and he showed that he wants to go on another team that wants him. And Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland is, is, is no better team than Cleveland that would embrace OG Nobi, honestly. And I think when you think about what he can do on the defensive end, call outs, he can shoot the three, he can get inside. He's essentially what we want Isaac Curl to be, and he's bigger. So I think when you add that with his veteran leadership in the playoff, he's been there, he's experienced that, he understands the team that's gritty, like the Toronto Raptors, so that won't be a huge, you know, huge adjustment for him. He's already adapted to that. I think that'd be something you can do. So, like, the you you play with the money, it's Karis Avert, Jetty Osmond, another uh, low-cost, like $2, 3000000 million player and some picks, and the money works.
1: Okay, I like uh, OG and Anobi. BP, we talked about you brought it up already earlier because th- this is one of the one of the topics to talk about in the show notes. So you've already you've already mentioned Kelly Oubre. Who's another reasonable, realistic, not reasonable, realistic small forward potential candidate you'd like to see the Cavs try and acquire? I'm still I'm still all with Dylan Brooks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like Dylan Brooks. I mean, I think he brings a an element of toughness to the team that they didn't have, obviously in the New York series. I think you need more guys like him, Lamar Stevens, and players like a few more players like that to just go bring that dog mentality. The mm-hmm. Cavs give out the dog chain after games. A lot of great players, no dogs though. But BP, what do you think, man?
2: You know. One of the guys I really like is Jeremy Grant from the Portland Trailblazers. And he's a free agent. And, you know, so is Karis LeVert. I could see some type of a sign and trade with the two of those guys. I like that. Because so, you, you, you'd have to give some money back. Well, there's very similar contract. They both make about 19 20 million a year. So it's very close. And then, you know, so Jeremy Grant is a guy I've always liked. I've suggested him to the Cavs. I have some insider friends at the Cavs. You know, they that's got he would be perfect for the Cavs he's six eight six nine he can defend he, he's he got offense I mean I've seen this guy score 40 points in a game for Portland is as, as recently as last year actually it was when uh, Dame Lillard was out he was really taking over Jeremy Grant so this he's very good he's about 28 29 years old so he fits in similar to like the Donovan Mitchell age I think Donovan just turned 26. But that's a guy I really like. But even you know, lower on the totem pole, Sadiq Bay would be a good. If you look at the Atlanta Hawks, they've got a ton of a small forwards. So Sadiq Bay, you know, I don't know if he's in their plans. I think, I think, I think Atlanta
1: likes Sadiq Bay. I think maybe the more available option could be uh, Hunter.
2: No, no, I I disagree because he's. 10. DeAndre Hunter, that would be my he is a fantastic player, but he signed to a long term contract already with Atlanta. I think but, they like but him. For a lot.
1: how much? Like twenty two million? I mean, but I've I've read already Atlanta likes Sadiq Bay and they're thinking about potentially trying to trade Hunter and keeping Sadiq Bay.
2: Well, if that's the case, I think the Cavs should call Atlanta because DeAndre Hunter is like the perfect small forward for the Cavs. Because he's unselfish. He loves defense. He's from Philly. You know, so he's a tough kid. He won a championship at Virginia, University of Virginia. I've always considered him untouchable, but, you know, hey, if he's available, you know, I'd love to – he would be perfect, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, I don't – But I don't think – I personally don't think he's available, so.
1: Well, I'm telling you what I read. The Atlanta Hawks likes to dig Bay, and they (laughs) may be trying to trade
2: Hunter. we'll see. We'll see. I I mean, there's a lot of reports out there, but – DeAndre yeah. Hunter is the starter. Sadiq Bay was coming off the bench,
1: and and DeAndre Hunter is making like twenty two million a year, and Sadiq Bay is still in a rookie contract. So you know, Sadiq Bay, like, I think
2: his contract is up. So that's that's one of the reasons why I think Detroit got rid of him is they just, you know, they didn't want to pay him, and so they let him go. So
1: and I think I think Atlanta's trying to shake things up. They're talking about Trey 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 Young getting getting traded. They're talking about. Uh, the kid they just got from San Antonio, his contract is up after this year coming up, and he'll be getting more than the $18 million year. he's getting. Uh, what's his name? Um, DeJounte De- De- Murray. DeJounte De- 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 Murray, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Atlanta- Atlanta's just trying to shake some things up, man. So, anything's possible.
2: Yeah. But, you know, uh, there's, there's a ton of players. I mean, I thought the Cavs should have made a, a better play for Ruri Hachimura when he was still on the Washington Wizards. I mean, I, th- I think the Cavs have been a little bit slow here. Yeah. I think I think they're wait. They've been waiting for Isaac Okoro to develop into you know that three and D player. So I think they've been reluctant to pull the trigger on some of these type of trades. Yeah, you know, that's why to me this offseason is going to be fascinating to see who they bring in, who they send out. You know, and you know we'll see what happens. Yeah,
0: I think uh, to your point, I think Cleveland like, it's, and I think it's kind of great that we kind of talked about Denver, but because you got Cleveland that's trying to make sure. They're not trading the players. That's their guys, right? Isaac Curl, DG, like they made impactful trades when they needed, when they had to trade like for Don, they traded Colin Sexton. They got they made the moves they needed to make, right? But they want to make sure. I think Kobe's just trying to be patient because he's not trying to trade something and then something comes up. Like I think we have to give Kobe Altman some grace because, I mean, he has made the trades when it mattered the most at crucial moments, especially when we didn't think he was going to get certain players like Laurie Markkanen. Donovan Mitchell and et cetera. So I think, or even Jared Allen. So
1: I I think the the, the only trade that I, that I really not a fan of that Kobe did. And I think it was partly personal was the Kevin Porter Jr. Trade. I think if Kevin Porter Jr. Didn't come in the locker room and, and cuss at Kobe Altman and call him names and stuff, (laughs) that that trade wouldn't happen, especially for only a second round pick. Yeah. Um, so Moving along from that real quick, I want Nick Wright from First Things First had a a take earlier this week, and we're going to listen to it. We're going to talk about another side.
2: The Cavs. Now, what's their trade? Because they're not bringing that same big four back. Mobley is there no matter what. But of Allen, Garland, Mitchell, one of them is getting moved this summer to shake things up. I don't – stop pointing at at Ramsey. Well, we're back. Garland for Brown, is you brought it up. I think Boston would do it. I think – so I just – I don't think the Cavs' presently constituted can win, but I think they have enough pieces that they could finagle some things. We're giving them four –
1: So do you guys think the Cavs' currently constructed can win? (laughs) <laughs> that's the billion dollar question
0: right uh sure. i think currently constructed i think they can compete i'm not sure if they can win right now not yet especially if you're talking
1: about a championship so if this if, if this core four continues to grow together and we say grow together not knowing what Donald mitchell's gonna do yeah that that's what that's what's
0: kind of making me like hesitant because it's like on paper, right? And <laughs> When you look at Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, you look at how young they are. Donovan Mitchell, you say, all right, maybe not now, but like three years down the line, they do look like a championship contender team, especially if they all
1: lock in, right? Three years to wait, three years.
0: You know, <laughs> you got a lot of franchises where they didn't they didn't blow like Denver, yeah,
1: I guess. Like did. you know, like it
0: like Denver's a perfect example. Like it took them a what, what seven years together, seven eight years before they really got their title, so it's kind of hard to say a team that just one year from now that has essentially got bullied by New York is going to come the next season and basically be championship contenders. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I don't think I'm trading Darius Garland or Don
2: right now. What well, well, What are your thoughts, BP? Uh, I think, I actually I don't mind the core four that the Cavs have because what I keep saying is Evan Mobley just finished se- his second year. You know, there's there's a long runway for this guy to get really good. You know, Jokic just finished his eighth season. Giannis Anadokounmpo has been in the league for 10 seasons. A lot of people, you know, the ca- casual fan says, well, he's a young guy. He's been in the league five years. He's been in the league 10 long years. And, you know, it takes a long time to develop, to get tougher, more mature, physically, you know, like fill out. So I I, 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 I actually, agree
1: I I, I agree but you don't you don't you don't have that same mindset with Isaac Okoro though. <laughs> he,
2: hasn't, he hasn't shown any he hasn't shown any kind of leaps. I mean what's his name? Uh, Mobley just averaged, you know, 16, 17 points a game, 8, 9 rebounds, two blocks. He was defensive all, you know, he was on the all-defensive team. Isaac That's Okoro's true. never had any of those accolades. I mean, so, I mean but if you taken at- two picks lower in the draft
0: I mean, but if you look at Isaac Curl, even statistically, he has developed his three-point shot every single year.
2: Well, Significantly,
0: every single year. I think
2: this past season, he only averaged six points a game. So it's not, you know, he's not setting the world on fire with his offense. So, again, I want to see him do well. But, you know, so far, it's it's not looking great. And you you can see the Cavs even... They're questioning him, too, what they did in the New York series. They benched him for Karis LeVert, like, basically two games into the series. So, again, we'll see what happens. I think the Cavs, again, I like to – when you look at these NBA playoffs, I learned that – I've always known this, but they only play seven or eight guys when you look at a series, when you get into the playoffs. So that's really what the Cavs need to, you know, hone in on is, what are my eight guys going into – you know, what are my go-to guys? Forget guy number 15, 14, 13 on the team. Who's my starting five and my three guys off the bench? You know, who's my big guy off the bench? Who's going to take the Kevin Love role? Who's going to be like my backup, you know, small forward and my backup, you know, whatever, wing player. Just like you look at Denver, they had, you know, solid play. Jeff Green, even though he's, he's as old as he is, he was really solid off the bench. And, you know, that Bruce Brown helped win the NBA finals. He was fantastic. So... That's what I think the Cavs need to figure out going into the next season.
1: So, Nick Wright in his in his take also said that Evan Mobley's the only untouchable Cavs. So I was with Relly. Like Relly said a minute ago, he wouldn't trade Darius Garland, but I honestly have to consider trading Darius Garland for Jalen Brown. I mean, I like I like Darius Garland a lot, Relly. I do. But (laughs) but Jalen Brown is 6'7", 6'6", 6'7", two-guard, and the Cavs could use an injection of size. I think Donovan Mitchell wouldn't be as good a point guard as Darius Garland, but he'd be a good lead guard with Karis LeVert. And you put Jalen Brown at the three with Mobley and Allen, I think your lineup gets better. You guys don't agree?
2: I agree with that. I do that trade in a second.
1: I do that trade too. I wouldn't do it quick as you would be, Pete, but I've had time to think about it, and I think it worked. And I love DG.
2: Love him. You now the only the only downside is Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown's about to sign a five year, three hundred million dollar extension. So that means he'll be making sixty million a year, which that yeah, can really not, mess up your. He's
1: not worth that.
2: He's no, worth but that's what he's going to get, and so like, that can yeah, really so, mess up yeah. your salary cap.
1: I'm saying that that would make me apprehensive. Right. But I think Boston's the only team that can give him that. So he'd have to he'd have to agree to stay in Boston to get that money. Yeah. Um, Raleigh, I see you got on your your DG jersey. (laughs) Yeah. For for those of you you listening on audio, Raleigh Hall is rocking his Darius Garland uh, Cleveland wine, wine colored away jersey. Um, Raleigh, so (laughs) why keep Darius for you, man?
0: First, I gotta. Oh, first, I I love I love Jalen Brown, and Bo take. I might. I feel like Jalen Brown is the bet the better player in Boston. But I just don't think I pulled the trigger on that trade. I, I really think with Darius Garland, I understand he got a little punked out in that series. You know, he shot out of character, but I just think what Darius Garland does on the playmaking side and on the shooting side, I think you just cannot replace that. Yes, JB is a great defender. He's a two-way player for sure. He's a, you could put him at that small forward position. You could just just have Don play his true just two guard, which is beautiful. But I just don't do that. I would if I'm gonna pull the trigger on a player, I'm pulling the trigger on Jared Allen before I trade um, Darius Garland.
1: Oh, and Jared Allen can definitely go with my book. Ever since the Knicks series, I think <laughs> I think Evan Mobley is gonna be his best, best self. Maybe not for another year or so but when he's playing the five he's gonna be his best self yeah because i mean like quick like to be honest like if we're talking about a player out of everybody that
0: we're trading like out of dg don evan mobley and jared allen realistically it's gonna be jared allen because i feel like you can find another jared allen in this day and age for cheaper and especially when you're talking about you got names like isaiah stewart and javel magey but but, and but, stuff but like hey, that. Hey,
1: really i understand that but but what are you gonna get back for Jared Allen versus what you get back for Darius Garland? Oh
0: yeah, the return for DG is gonna be much higher. I, right. I agree with that. I'm not I'm not gonna be a fool. But at the same time, do you think it's worth it though? And I I, I think both of y'all y'all think you think it is. I just don't think so. I think if you pit JB with the the current other three players we got on the roster, I I don't think it truly fixes the problem.
1: Okay, I I just I just think. Jalen Brown and Evan Mobley I like as a core probably moving forward. I mean, Jalen Brown's bringing that Eastern Conference Finals experience, a lot of playoff experience, even more so than Donovan Mitchell. I mean, so if you could you could bring in a lot more pieces for Darius Garland and then turn around and bring in more pieces some for Jarius, I mean, Jared Allen, and you got Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell and and Jalen Brown as a core, I think you're better off. BP, your thoughts before we wrap this one up, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen trades, scenarios where Jer- Jared Allen would be sent to Portland in a, for a Jeremy Grant. Like in a, you know, we'd have to sign it'd be like a sign and trade with Jeremy Grant. They both make about $20 million a year, but I did. Wait, what, wait, wait, what, what trade was that? Say it again, I'm sorry. The Cavs would send Jared Allen to Portland for Jeremy Grant. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I mean, I I would, but you know, but then you look at Portland; they still have that big guy, you know, Yuki, uh, Yursich, you No, you know, but yeah. you know, I think Jared Allen is is better than him. But they've not never won anything with you know Nurkic,
1: so yeah, they, they they Denver was smart enough to get off him and keep Joker. Right, you know, jo- right. Joker, Joker was his backup years ago. <laughs> yeah.
2: Every time they see kids, they're probably thinking, shit, you know, we you know, we could <laughs> have uh, we should have gotten the Joker instead, you know which is funny because Jokic was a first round pick and Jokic was the second round pick. So, and they were taking the same draft, which is crazy. But, you know, you know, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think you can find centers a dime a dozen. I could bring in, I could get rid of Jared Allen, bring in Jeremy Grant. I could start, you know, Mason Plumlee or, you know, Bismarck Biombo. I can find a guy that's going to get me eight points and 10 rebounds, you know? So, and that's really, I think, you know they've been saying this you know like on on ESPN that this center position has become almost like the running back position in the NFL or even though you know Jokic had a great year and there you know Embiid had a great year you still the centers have been devaluated devalued in the NBA landscape you still you know this that's my opinion you know Jokic is a outlier and so is Embiid but you you can get away if you wanted to with like a basic center kind of like what Golden State has done with you know, Kevon Looney, you know, just a role player at center. Mm-hmm.
0: And Tate, too, I, I'm just curious. I just want to pick your brain. Like, if that trade happened right, like if the Cavs traded uh, Jared Allen for Jeremy Grant, would you still do that DG for JB?
1: I don't think it would be as necessary mm-hmm. because I think I think uh, having Jer- Jeremy Grant in place of Jared Allen Freeze up Evan Mobley to play the five, and he's gonna get taken advantage of some nights against Embiid, yeah. against Joker, against the bigger body centers. But so does Jared Allen right now, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think Jared Jeremy Grant allows you to be a uh a, a stretch four who, who can who can guard up. So, man, I still might do that, man, if I had. Yeah if i had evan mobley jeremy grant Jalen brown and donovan mitchell (laughs) you wouldn't do it i I couldn't do it and then you're throwing (laughs) Karis laverde in the backcourt with donovan mitchell and jeremy grant up front with evan mobley and who did i say am i missing somebody I don't know. We find somebody else, but still.
2: In my opinion, though, I wouldn't, I wouldn't start Evan Mobley at center right off. Let's just say the, I would bring in some like a journeyman center to kind of, you know, muscle up with the bigger guys. Because I don't want to see Mobley get hurt either. You know, he's pretty frail. You know, it, I think one of the things in the Knicks series was we didn't have any backup big men. And I really believe looking back at some of the games, Mobley. And Jared Allen were gassed. I really believe they were. Some of it was like they were exhausted going against Mitchell Robinson, and and not only were they, you know, they were outweighed by a lot, you know, and bigger, but they were also gassed. Because I think they had no backup big men to give them any, you know, like breaks.
1: I don't, I don't disagree. But along with gas, they were pumped. <laughs> yeah. that they were pumped. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and Mitchell Robinson hasn't been punking anybody in the league, but Tom Thibodeau being that, being that, that, that grit and grind, get it out the mud type of coach told his guys, these guys are a finesse team. We just go at them. And the Knicks went completely at them at every position and our bigs just got punked and they could have been gassed because they were getting punked.
2: One more thing is I think the Cavs defensive strategy was bad against the Knicks where I I've read this and I saw it for myself that the Cavs were using their big men to double Brunson and to double R.J. Barrett, which was bad. That would, that's hurt us on the offensive rebounds. That's why we were getting killed on the boards. It wasn't even just a you know want-to thing or a. I think the Cavs' defensive strategy—they yeah, were, they, they were out
1: of position. Had them, the defense yeah. strategy had them out of position. Yeah. But uh, said nobody ever double R.J. Barrett. Said nobody ever. <laughs> Now, Br- Brunson had it going. Potentially, he needed to be doubled, but RJ Barrett didn't. I mean, I think JB was out coached. The Cavs were yeah. were out hustled and grit and grind, and you know that's the kind of mentality that JB wants to think think that have us think that he's instilled when he kind of came from Memphis as an assistant when they had Zach Randolph and them boys back in the in the grit and grind days. But that's not Cleveland's makeup, and that's why I think. Somebody like Dylan Brooks would be perfect. More playing time for Lamar Stevens would be perfect. Oh, I don't know. What do you think I think's going to happen with Dean Wade? Get traded. You think so? Yeah.
0: We. I don't I don't know why we paid him like that, but at the same time I do. But
2: I, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's those They made a mistake yeah. with Dean Wade. <laughs> I mean, that's why, you know, Kobe Altman is – you almost have to look at a general manager – Look at his moves, the good ones and the bad ones. They're not going to get everything right. Yeah. That was unfortunately a bad, bad move. Sick, you know, they're giving Dean Wade three years, $18 million. I think the last year isn't fully guaranteed, but still.
1: I think $6 million a year is a contract you can get off of, but you know, yeah. yeah. I,
2: don't.
0: yeah. I just, I just, well, this, this is my personal. I feel like not even just Cleveland, but it's a lot of general matters getting the habit of like, they get caught up in the moment and when they get caught up in that that one season is all it takes for a player to get overpaid it, like not even not even just Cleveland but I just think we just need to stay true to our guns
1: yeah okay so so if if, if one of the big three is going this year we all agree that it should be Jared Allen
2: yeah yeah yes
1: one of, the, one of those core cool four okay Alright so moving along we're about to wrap up in just a second here question and just answer with a yes or no or 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 you know you can expound a little bit don't go too long uh, with the NBA free agent market not being potentially robust this year not a lot of big name free agents do you think this this offseason beginning with free agency you will see more trades than we do free agent acquisitions yes yes what do you think, BP?
2: Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I just, I can go either way. I don't, I don't know. It's... I think,
1: I, I think with the new, the new salary cap uh, restrictions and stuff in place, and you're not going to be able to sign, you know, the penalties are much more, are much more uh, excruciating. The penalties, I think that teams will be looking to trade salary for salary and not just acquire more salary. So, yeah, I do think we'll see a lot of trades, teams trying to get better through the trade market than the free agent market. So, okay. guys, closing up, I asked you guys to bring a potential NBA rumor. Any any juicy news we're hearing around the league that might just interest our listeners just to bring, let them know about it?
2: Yeah, I got one. Uh, I was on NBA radio earlier today and I proposed to Eddie Johnson and Justin Termini on NBA XM radio an idea where the Cavs would trade Darius Garland to new Orleans for either Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram. And they love the idea. So I actually, that would be, you know, they say that new Orleans is looking to move up into the draft, that they're interested in scoot Henderson, that they want an elite point guard. So I figured they may the teams at the pick number two or three may not even want to trade with New Orleans. So as a backup, maybe New Orleans would be interested in a guy like Darius Garland to play point guard for them. And they do have a, a plethora of small forwards that they probably need to get move from, either Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram to sort of even out their team. So to me, we were talking about trades, and I would trade Garland for Brandon Ingram. Zion Williamson is a little bit touch, he's touchy with his injuries, but I would definitely trade Darius Garland for a guy like Brandon Ingram?
1: I think Darius Garland could potentially get you Brandon Ingram. He won't get you Zion by himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do like it. I mean, I think that, again, that gives you a three, and that puts us back in with the uh, Don Mitchell being a lead guard. And New Orleans needs a true point guard. I mean, they kind of had uh, – they got that one guy that comes off the bench, and they got C.J. McComb that kind of plays like a – lead guard, but I think CJ's best suited for just strictly shooting guard and getting a guy that can get him in his spots and stuff. I like that potential trade. I like Brandon Ingram coming to Cleveland. And I could I probably could let Darius Garland go. It might even be a better fit with Brandon Ingram than it would be Jalen Brown we were talking about earlier. really what what's what's one of the things you heard?
0: Yeah I'm about to say the biggest rumor I'm hearing so far about the Cleveland is that they're trying to they iron Isaiah Stewart uh, there's a couple of other teams that's looking to get them, but they're looking to get another center, another
1: backup center for Def. I like Isaiah Stewart. He's still in Detroit?
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, he's no. in Detroit. No. Isaiah. No, no, no. Actually, no. Wrong name. Not Isaiah Stewart. The uh, the center from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the backup center for minnesota oh, not Nasri. Nasri,
2: Nasri. yeah oh, okay. the, problem, the problem with him is that he's a free agent unrestricted free agent so he's going to be getting some big offers like 20 million plus even up to even 23 24 million a year because he really showed a lot this past season and obviously he, he's going to leave minnesota he's behind rudy gobert and yeah. carl anthony towns so i oh. think he's going to get some big money this coming off season you think he's gonna get paid that high, though?
1: Yeah, if he gets paid yeah. that much, he got to be a starter. He's he, not come off the business. Oh, no, he's man. gonna be a
2: starter. That's why he wants to leave Minnesota. I mean, this kid's—I've seen this guy. Like, he's good. He really is. He can—he can shoot threes. He can go to the basket. I've seen him, you know, thump some monster dunks on people. You know, this kid's got a lot of—he'll—he'll he'll, he'll be a starter somewhere next season.
1: Okay, so to get back to the—and and what I heard was a trade. Uh, rumor trade rumors keeping it with the, with the trade rumors Zion to Charlotte
2: mm-hmm.
1: were the number two overall pick,
2: yeah. And, and that uh, makes great sense because remember, Zion played a Duke, so yeah, even yeah, you know, that's in North and Carolina, he,
1: and he's from South Carolina, yeah. Um, Zion for number two pick, Gordon Hayward, and maybe something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think New Orleans would want something else. I've also seen stuff with Zion. Going to the Knicks. And there's rumors out there about Joel, Joel and B to get traded to the Knicks. Sure. So I don't know. Just from the Cleveland Cast perspective, <laughs> I would give up Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen for Zion to pair him with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. I you like tra-
0: that. You trust Zion?
1: <laughs> I don't know that I trust him, but I think Donovan Mitchell might be going. And you got you sometimes you got to gamble with something. No man, uh, I, like <laughs> I don't know. He, I mean, he might not.
0: be a generational talent. Well, maybe I don't know. We haven't seen enough. I mean, he's
1: really... proved it when he's played.
2: No, he, he, I think he played twenty nine games. Twenty nine.
1: No, but I'm saying when he did play, and he was healthy. He's average. He's, he, he, yeah, he's average. He's averaged the most points with the highest shooting percentage in the NBA history. He scored 27 points a game and shot 61% from the field. Better than Wilt Chamberlain, better than anybody in NBA history bars mm-hmm. as the most points with the highest field goal percentage.
0: But he's not playing, though.
1: But he's not playing. That's the
0: that's – the, like, I agree. Like, every time you watch him, he's monstrous. He's, he's playing crazy, but he's not on the floor. And it's like, you know, that's a hard gamble.
1: It is, but sometimes you got to take a risk. You want to be a good team. I mean, don't you like the threesome of Evan Mobley when he's finally ready to play center? Zion and Darius Garland? I love it. <laughs> but yeah, man, so we're going to get out of here, man. This has been a great show. You guys have been great. Uh, really, go ahead and plug yourself, man. Plug your work, man. Let us know what, where to find you at. Yeah,
0: if you want to check me up on YouTube, you can go to Really All. Um, I got a whole bunch of calves content, all that stuff. And if you want to follow my Instagram, I post all my, my high-hand stuff, my my really all content. You go to really underscore hall underscore NBA.
1: Okay, Riley really been a great guest, man. we love to have you back whenever you want to come, man. We we get it in and get out about the Cavs around here and BP's. Oh, uh, BP, before we get out of here, man, let's talk about your encounter with the, uh Cleveland Charge. Assistant General Manager. What? What? What was? What's her name?
2: Yeah, she's uh, with the. She's actually with the Cavs and the Cleveland Charge. Her name is Liron Ferran so She's she,
1: she's a Cavs scout and a Charge assistant general
2: manager. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But she uh, she scouts internationally. She scouts the college players. She works with the Cavs and also with the Charge. So she's got a lot of like different hats she wears. But, you know, people, I met her in person yesterday. There was a Cavs event here locally, and uh, it was very interesting. You know, people were asking her questions. And so, of course, I asked her about Jetty Osmond because, you know, his contract is up. He played in, in Europe. Her experience came from Europe. So she thinks, you know, she thinks he should be back on the team. But, you know, that's just, she you know, she wasn't going to, like, say definitively. But, you know, she also likes guys like Sharif Cooper you know, she thinks they may have a shot. You know, making the NBA roster this year for the Cavs. She was high on Sam Merrill, who, who was brought onto the Cavs roster from the G League team. So, she likes Diaquite, the backup power forward. You know, so that's kind of, you know, where she was at. But it was very interesting. And you know, she says that the Cavs. You know, she she thinks the Cavs is one of the best run organizations in the NBA. And she says she thinks JB is a fantastic coach that he should be given. You know many more years to prove himself. And she even said that the Cavs have two mental health counselors that sort of counsel the players to make it through a tough season that almost before every season, they say, Hey, this is a long season. There's going to be ups and downs for everybody. You know, there's going to be losing streaks, you know, highs and lows. So it was very interesting to, you know, see what she had to say in person.
1: Okay. That's, that's great stuff, man. BP and Pepper Pike, the that's rather cavalier NBA Insider gives you a scoop that you only get from here but hey we about to get out of here guys I want to thank everybody for listening um, the That's Rather Cavalier podcast you can find us on Spotify, Apple Radio and then wherever, those, wherever wherever else you get your audio podcast excuse me um, so yeah this is the F Fans First Sports Network podcast just search for Fans First sport Network and we'll we'll be here. Uh we're gonna be coming with some more some more content, probably touching on the draft a little bit, getting ready for free agency to wrap up beginning of July. And we're just we're just here for the Cavs and the NBA. So for Riley Hall, for BP and Pepper Pike, I'm your boy Tate, and we out of here. Peace.